On today's show, James Hagens was cut from the Team USA roster. We'll also talk about Czechia versus Slovakia and a couple more things here at Locked On NHL Prospects. You are Locked On NHL Prospects, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello and welcome back to Locked On NHL Prospects, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. On this podcast, we break down everything prospects related for you five days a week, Monday to Friday. I'm Hattie Kalakesh, joined by Sebastian High, and on today's show, we'll start off by looking at Team USA's official roster, which was announced uh, today as a recording, um, and James Higgins is not on the roster. Um, this seems to always happen when we get excited about prospects. Uh, yeah. But yeah, we'll, we'll get into it and kind of break down why that is and what to expect from this USA roster. Um, in our second segment, we'll do a bit of a controversial one. Czechia versus Slovakia in a head-to-head who wins at this World Junior Championship. And then in our final segment, we'll talk about two Buffalo Sabres prospects who have upped the ante in recent games. We'll talk about Zach Benson, obviously, again. Uh, and actually, um, Devin Levi, who's been performing really well since being called up. But before we get into any of that, today's episode is brought to you by GameTime. Download the GameTime app, create an account, and use code LOCKEDONNHL for $20 off your first purchase. If you're watching on YouTube, make sure to like and subscribe. Leave us a comment letting us know what you want us to talk about next. And if you're listening on your favorite podcasting platform, make sure to make us your first listen of the day. So, Sebastian, talk me through it. Um, why is that? Why is James Higgins not at this tournament? I mean, the states didn't need him to be the overwhelming favorites to win, so that would be one angle that we could take. Uh, I mean, he he's he is a, an odd sixteen or seventeen year old, like very young, seventeen year old, to uh, make the cut for a Team USA World Junior Championships roster. It doesn't happen very often, yeah. and. Uh, yeah, like it, it it happens. I think that there's always going to be kind of that 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 defaulting to the older players if it's up to like a 50-50 in a decision of who to keep and who to cut because uh, James Higgins is going to feature in future World Junior Championships for the U.S. and he's going to play some really good hockey in them. But I, I do think that they would have been better off bringing him. But I think the bigger question here is, does it matter? <laughs> It's it's a tough one. I think it still does, and to a certain extent, um, I really like the the roster they they've put together. I mean, you look at their forward core, and I'm looking at this, and I can't name you a forward roster that was brought to to, to the World Juniors for Team USA that I've liked more than this one. It's probably one of the best ever to brought yeah. in. You know, you can screenshot this roster and and bring and bring it up five years later, and I think everyone's just like, "Whoa, that's a lot of good players." You know what I mean? So it's just. Yeah, I, I understand the angle for Team USA. I just don't understand how you omit such an important player. I mean, he he's you know he's the type of player who could have had a top six impact as a seventeen year old in this tournament. Um, and just you know, it's unfortunate that he won't. But still, I mean, again, you look at this roster and like, who would you who would you have kind of set aside in order to prefer James Hagens? Especially if we're talking about like. You know, some of the players that are, that are going to be brought here are overagers um, who play well in defensive roles, whereas, I mean, Hagens, as much as I like him, isn't going to give you a, a two-way impact um, as important as an overager who's been playing that role for the longest time, right? Yeah, for sure. I mean, there's still players I think I would have left out 
in favor of Higgins. I think Danny Nelson kind of stands out as one of those where, yes, he is a defensive centerman, but when you already have guys that that you're bringing like Gavin Hayes and Kerry Terrence that can fulfill those uh, those bottom six checking roles, I think you can can just uh, kind of side with the skill and the smarts of James Higgins over a guy like Danny Nelson. But Mm -hmm. again, it it speaks a lot to just the quality of this roster that – them leaving Hagen's aside is far from like this cat- catastrophic thing that uh, they should never have done because uh, the roster is already so excellent and very well balanced. So yes, they sacrifice some skill with Hagen's, but uh, instead they have a very clear like fourth line or like fourth style line, right? With yeah. uh, with with Danny Nelson at down the middle. So I can understand where like how that decision was made, uh, but I probably would have made a different choice. For sure. I'm kind of looking at the names here. I mean, Quinn Finley, Kerry Terrence. But again, we had the same discussion with Jagger Furcus uh, in our last episode where it's just like, you know, you have to cut somewhere. And if you're going to cut somewhere, it's better to cut with the players that aren't going to be able to give you a bottom six impact. Because if you're overwhelming on offense, but struggling on defense, you're not going to be able to go far in this tournament. If you take the 12 best forwards that you have available to you and put them on the ice, it's going to have a less, you're going to have a less impactful lineup than if you take players who are fit for particular roles and, and fit to play in specific situations, you know, it's, it's like, if you take, if you take James Higgins and drop Danny Nelson, who's going to play on your second penalty kill, who's going to, you know, give you decent, you know, third period minutes with the game tied against Canada. Like it's, it's as much as I like offense, as much as I think defense is for nerds. Um, I genuinely just, I don't see, you know, I, I see why he was left out, but it's unfortunate because he, he easily could have had a top six impact in this line in, in this um, in this roster. But speaking of which, um, I want to talk about a bit about Aramanishian because he's going to be playing on a defense core that has Zeev Buyam, Amos Tasty, and Lane Hudson up front in terms of offensive defense. Yeah, where does he slot in? That is a very big question, and I'm I'm a very big fan of Aaron Benation. I, I've liked him. I liked him a lot last year. Um, he was one of the players that I that I would have picked uh, with the Habs selections uh, with Team yeah. High. Uh, I, I I was I have been a big fan of him for quite a while at this point. But in terms of stylistic fits, it's a bit curious. Uh, I think that if if I could have seen them go with a guy like Hunter Bruce Davids over him where you have a little bit more of a two-way impact, even though he had a pretty rough turnover the other night back in the OHL, Yeah, um, which is not a pretty one, but uh, his two-way impact still is probably a bit stronger than uh, Manishan's is, and I probably would have brought him over uh, Manishan as, as a result. But uh, again, this is going to be a Team USA that's going to dominate possession in all three zones. They're going to have the puck a lot of the time and mm-hmm. when you're on the puck all the time you kind of want to have defensemen that are very capable on the puck as well and Manishan is more of a puck mover than, than a, like a pure offensive defenseman he's he's a, a simple problem solver wants to retain possession and create offensive chances rather than being like the defenseman that is consistently activating well into the offensive zone to get the, those big primary assists his production comes off mainly off of secondary assists and and putting the puck into positions where intelligent and creative players can make something happen. So I can see why he was brought for sure. And he's a player I like a lot. So I'm, I'm, I'm happy to be watching him uh, more at, at the world juniors this year. Yeah. Uh, but stylistically it definitely is an interesting one because uh, 
there's an overabundance of offensive defensemen on this team USA, which is not something I, I say very lightly. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I mean, yeah, already already Hudson and, and Casey um, is going to be ridiculous. Yeah, and into, into that into that mix, Steve Booyam, who's been absolutely fantastic to start yeah. the year in Denver. Um, but yeah, I'm really excited to see how they are kind of matched up with the Ryan Chesleys, the Drew Fortescues, the Eric Polkamps, and Sam Renzels. I mean, there's a there's a good balance between offense and defense here. Um, and with eight defensemen, you can kind of mix and match and see what works out, right? It's not like you have to settle on yeah. specific lines, but I'd expect Lane Hudson and Seamus and uh, and Ryan Chesley to form a first pair. They've been together for the longest time. They've played together back into the NTDP and were really good together. Um, I'd expect that to be a thing. But then after that, it gets a bit difficult because you know I I would probably be I would probably be leaning um, Seamus Casey and Sam Renzel as your second pair, even though. They're both right-handed. Um, we know how USA feels about that. They're 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 pretty rigid on left-hand, right-hand for defensemen. So we'll see how that works out. It's not like Sweden where they just don't care. Um, so yeah, we'll, we'll see how this plays out. But it's a really interesting roster, and obviously in goal, Trey Augustine and Jacob Fowler. Who do you think gets to start? I mean, I think both goaltenders are going to be playing some minutes at this tournament because. Yeah. Uh, you're going to see Team USA test them both in in their like big preliminary matchups, and yeah. um, I I still think Augustine has the advantage here. He has a longer repertoire with hockey uh, with with uh, USA hockey, uh, so mm-hmm. that gives him a little bit of a head start. And I think he'll be the default number one, but yeah. I don't think it's going to take very much to to swap between goaltenders. And if Jacob Fowler is the one who's calmer in net and playing better i i'd be surprised if the u.s were doubling down and only using trey augustine as well i think that they're going to be uh very happy to have these two high-end options in that yeah absolutely i mean you know use the cards that are dealt to you if you have two high-end goaltenders use them both why not so yeah it'll be fun uh that wraps things up for our first segment we'll talk about um we'll talk about czechia versus slovakia in our second segment break down their lineups and who might win in a head-to-head we'll get into that right after these messages from our sponsors over at game time If you like to buy tickets and have a, a crazy schedule like mine, Game Time is the best option for you. Um, I have a schedule that changes a lot, so I can find myself with an afternoon uh, free out of nowhere, and sometimes I want to go and catch a game. Uh, and Game Time makes that super, super easy. They've got tickets up until the last minute of the event, and sometimes even an hour after it starts, you can still get tickets. Uh, they're a great option. They're fast, they're reliable, and with great prices as well. Uh, they've got a bunch of deals to save you money, including zone deals where you pick the section and Game Time picks a seat. That gives you an average of about 18% of savings. Uh, and with a Game Time guarantee, um, you'll always get the best price. So if you find tickets in the same section and row for less than what Game Time has to offer you, Game Time will credit you 110% of the difference. So take the guesswork out of buying tickets with Game Time. Download the Game Time app, create an account, and use code Locked On NHL for $20 off your first purchase. Terms apply, but again, super easy. You just create an account, redeem the code Locked On NHL at checkout for $20 off. So download Game Time today. Last minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. Alrighty, so moving on to our second segment, we'll be talking about uh, Czechia versus Slovakia. These are two fairly interesting lineups, and uh, there's history between those two those two countries. And we'll kind of break down which of these rosters we would prefer in a head to head. Let's start off with uh, the forward core. So for Czechia, 
it looks fairly interesting. You've got Yuri Kulik, who's a returnee, which is a big, big name at this tournament. He's probably the biggest name of these two teams. Um, the the offensive impact he's going to have is ridiculous. You add on top of that, Edward Schala um, of the Seattle Kraken, Matias Shapovalov of uh, the Vegas Golden Knights, um, and a couple other names. Adam Zidlitschke might be very good at this tournament. Um, there are some interesting names in there, but I don't think there's the depth, the level of depth that Slovakia would have, right? Yeah, the Slovakian offensive core has some really interesting names and uh, a lot of skill, a lot of, uh, of high-end flash that uh, has been th- there at times, but maybe not always consistent. Like players like Alex Siernik, for instance, uh, falls into that category. Philip Meshar, who's looking in excellent this season and taking some really big strides in his development, is going to be on this team. And you've got two really big uh, potential centermen in Dalibor Dvorsky and Samuel Honzek, who would also contend with Yuri Kulik for that like biggest name of the two forward cores combined. Uh, and on top of that, you have some really good depth pieces that can just... I apply a lot of pressure in those like middle six roles. Guys like Adam Shakora, New York Rangers draft pick from a year ago. Sterek Petrovsky can fill that in. Martin Mishiak. Like there's there's a lot of names here that can play some good minutes in different roles. And I think there's a pretty good balance here of like flashy skill, uh, some bigger bodies up front uh, that are also quite skilled, as well as those like high intensity checking forwards. So I think of the forward cores, I'd probably side with Slovakia's over Czechia's personally, uh, even though Yuri Kulik likely is the most refined and dangerous forward of the two cores. For sure. The only thing I I would add to that is um, Czechia's roster is probably more experienced. You've got a lot of returnees, Adam Baresh, Andre Becker, uh, obviously Yuri Kulik, but also, you know, Dominic Ramon, Robin Sapushek, um, Edward Schala, Adam Zidlitsky. Like there are a lot of names in here that were there last year that have been playing together for the longest time. This Czechia lineup might be a bit more cohesive. Um, whereas the sure. Slovakia lineup is almost definitely more talented overall. Um, that'll be fairly interesting, but I, I want to move on to the defenseman real quick, just kind of break down that kind of difference right there. Uh, for Czechia, I'm, I, I mean, I'm backing Czechia on this. Uh, Marek Alscher has been really good, a Florida Panthers draft pick. Um, they've got a couple of returnees, again, Alice Czech and uh, Tomasz Sibulka. Um, Tomasz Galvis and Adam Yerchek are two uh, draft eligibles that are going to be going to this tournament. And both have been fairly, um, you know, they, they've been on and off and not very consistent. I've been a bit more impressed, actually, with Tomasz Galvis as of late, um, especially at the, uh, I think it was the Five Nations tournament. Um, he was a lot more, I mean, he, he was m- more consistent than Adam Yerchek, and they're both playing on the same pair. So we're, I was getting a lot of views on those two. Um, and two more drafted go- uh, drafted defensemen, and Thomas Hamara, who I think is going to be the main tool for them defensively, um, and Wojciech Port of the Anaheim Ducks. I don't know much about Port, but listen, he was picked by the Anaheim Ducks, and we know how good the Ducks are at drafting defensemen. Um, so I won't put it past them to draft a really good one. Uh, but yeah, what's your thoughts on uh, Slovakia's defense uh, core, and, and how does it uh, kind of compare? It's definitely a bit weaker than uh, than Czechia's overall, which I think yeah. makes this head-to-head a really interesting one because you kind of have that imbalance between stronger defense, weaker offense for yeah. Czechia and vice versa for Slovakia. That said, there are still three very interesting names on this blue line. So there's two drafted players that are going to be making an impact that were just drafted a few months ago. There's Jakub Kromiak of the Los Angeles Kings, who is a stay-at-home, big, physical, fairly smooth skating defenseman. He keeps his game quite simple. 
isn't exactly creative or capable offensively, but has a pretty hard shot, uh, but is going to be the defensive stalwart uh, in this lineup. And then on the flip side, you've got Maxim Sturbach, who again was a, like a recent pick. He was a second round draft pick of the Buffalo Sabres in this past draft. And he brings a lot more mobility and creativity and dynamism to the field that uh, Chromiak doesn't. So I'd expect him to kind of be the big driver uh, offensively from the blue line. And uh, the last player is the big wild card on this blue line, a 16-year-old, a D-1 being brought, Luka Radoboyevich, uh, who plays J-20 hockey with Erebro in, uh, in Sweden and has technically logged two appearances in the SHL this season, totaling 49 <laughs> seconds on the ice. Uh, yeah. But his his point per, per game production is at like over 0.7 so far in the J20 as a still 16 year old, which is like top 15 all time among uh, J20 defensemen with over uh, 10 appearances in a game in, yep. in, in a season. So the numbers look excellent. I've not watched him play just yet, uh, so I'm curious to kind of see how he impresses at the tournament. But the statistical uh, perspective looks really nice with him and if he gets minutes he could be another offensive piece based off of his his production but uh yeah. have to dig into his game a little bit more before I, I can start talking about him in depth but he's going to be a fun wild card that i will personally be having my eyes on my, my eyes on for sure and we'll discover him at this tournament i think this is a great spot to kind of uh finally get in the in the spotlight for him um, but yeah, he'd basically be the youngest player at this tournament. So, uh, we'll, we'll see how that plays out for him. He's going to turn 17 during the, the tournament, uh, which is very funny because you look at, you look at the defense core and like Slovakia has some good options. Um, but yeah, bringing a 16 soon to be 17 year old to this tournament on defense is quite rare overall. Um, so I'm excited yeah. to see how that plays out. Uh, but yeah, let's talk about the goaltenders real quick, just to close things off. Cause I think that's going to be the separating factor. It's basically going to be Michael Hrabal versus, um, versus Adam Gayon in net, uh, unless there's a surprise. Um, I'm backing Hrabal on this mainly because he's been really good in the NCAA. He's been fairly consistent with Czechia overall in every tournament he's faced as, as much as I like Adam Gayon, as, as much as Adam Gayon was probably the best goaltender in last, in last world juniors. Um, I'd bank on Hrabal's consistency over Gayon's like really good tournament because he had a really good tournament. He's had he's had great stats since then. I just yeah, I don't know. What do you think? I mean, these were the, the top two goaltenders selected in the 2023 NHL draft, and yep. uh, neither of them were my top two in my top two among goaltenders in that in that class. And I think yep. it was the same with you as well. Uh, like they're both goaltenders that have their strengths and weaknesses, and. Uh, I think I would be backing Gaian mainly based off of building on the confidence that he's already established in world junior competitions. And yep. we see every year that international competitions can really, really like awaken a player like nothing else can. And if that's the same case with Gaian this year as it was last season, then I'd be pretty scared if I were Czechia in this head to head. But <laughs> There's a lot more, I guess, variability in how Guyan could play, in my perspective. Parable, I expect, is going to be solid, but not otherworldly. Uh, but he gives you a baseline that I think is going to be a bit more reliable and predictable, whereas Guyan is a bit more of a wild card. But uh, yeah. yeah, the Slovakian team is a bunch of wild cards, which means that, sure, maybe they flame out. 
but I think that the upside, the, the podium potential for this roster is a lot stronger than Czechia's based off of the high-end upside and, and skill that more players in this locking roster have. For sure. Uh, I don't agree though. I think, I think Czech is going to be the better, the better team in this tournament. Um, just Yuri Kulik alone is going to be winning games. Um, Michael Robles. Yeah, he's, he's and the defense, yeah. And the defense is just, it's, it's a solid decor. I'm really excited to see what they do. Um, yeah, definitely. Um, but yeah, let us know what you know. Uh, let us know what you think in the uh, comments. Let it, let us know who you think is going to win between these two teams. Um, I don't want any conflict starting in our comment section, but it's, it's fairly, you know, this is this is a very tight race between these two teams, and I'm excited to see what they do against each other. Uh, but that wraps things up for a second segment. We're going to be talking about Devin Levi and Zach Benson being really good in Buffalo. Surprise, surprise. We'll get into that right after these messages from our sponsors over at FanDuel. As the weather gets colder, the NFL offers stay hot on FanDuel. Right now, new customers get $150 in bonus bets with any winning $5 Moneyline bets. That's $150 if your team wins that you can use on anything, ranging from spreads to player props to over and unders and far more. Whether you want to bet on your favorite team to win the Super Bowl this season or your least favorite quarterback to throw three interceptions the next game, the choice is yours. So visit FanDuel.com slash LockedOn and kick off the NFL season. FanDuel, official partner of the NFL. Alrighty, so moving on to our third segment, we're going to be talking about Zach Benson and Devin Levi lighting it up right now uh, in Buffalo. Uh, what a surprise. Yeah, we'll start with Zach Benson because uh, he had a fantastic game the other day, right? He did. I mean, I feel like we're talking about him every second episode, but I'm not <laughs> complaining. And until our audience tells us to stop talking about him, uh, uh, we will keep doing so because uh, every viewing that I've gotten of Benson looks better and better at the NHL level, which is true to form for him. And uh, the goal he scored last night, so Friday night, uh, was a really pretty one, getting right down to the net front, quick hands, quick reflexes really baited the goaltender uh yeah zach benson's playing some excellent hockey he's at almost half a point a game at this point uh what 20 i think it's like 10 points in 21 games or something along Eight those lines which is, something like that but yeah, yeah he's, still not bad uh it's still pretty ridiculous. good yeah yeah he, he's such a special talent and i mean we've been talking about his brain and just how intelligent he is for such a long time but apart from that what are like the specific tools in your eyes hattie that have made his transition to nhl hockey just so seamless we've seen it i mean you mentioned his goal we saw it on the goal i mean just the maturity of his physical um his physical disposition and the way that he uses his body in battles he's consistently consistently winning battles against players that are twice his size and that's what baffles me about the fact that he slipped the 13th overall is like i i understand you know i, I understand having concerns about uh his, his size and skating combo and all that but like I, i'd be concerned if you like weren't watching the games and just saw kind of glimpses of him and highlights and you know saw his his height on the late prospects and got worried but like you watch the games and this player is consistently outworking everyone and that's a that's a constant that's been a constant since his draft minus one with zach benson he's always always outworked everyone and it's one thing to outwork everyone it's another to outthink everyone outplay everyone you know just he's a fantastic playmaker his puck skills are great his his understanding of the game is advanced. I mean, there's just everything in his game is so cohesive and works together so well that like, you know, 
it's no surprise to me that he made the NHL in his first year. I'm just surprised that he stuck beyond nine games. Like that's astounding to me. And the fact that he's been so good that Don Granado came out and said, and said, this guy is too important for our team. We're not, we're not sending him to the world juniors as an 18 year old who just got drafted 13th overall is, Mm -hmm. is ridiculous. But like beyond that, it's just, you watch Zach Benson play and he just seems he's so consistent. That's the thing is like, he's probably the most consistent Buffalo Sabre right now. Like you watch their games. I mean, Rasmus Dahlin has a great game followed by a stinker. Same for Tage Thompson. Alex Tuck has missed a couple games recently and overall hasn't been the most impactful player on the roster. Um, Casey Middlestat even like he's great offensively right now, but he's, he's kind of tapering off defensively. Dylan Cousins. I mean, he just scored a couple points. I'm hoping that kind of breaks the dam for him. But like outside of that, like who compares with, with Zach Benson's consistency so far? I mean, he definitely is showing an example of, of how to play game in game out. And I think like what, what the consistency, a big thing with him, with his game and consistency itself is that, he has such a clear role. He is a high-end four-checker. And when he's not getting puck balances in the game and the puck it just isn't feeling good on his stick, he's not pulling off the moves he usually is, he's not getting the offensive opportunities that he typically does, even in those games, he is an elite-level four-checker already at the NHL level. Maybe maybe borderline. I might be getting slightly ahead of myself there. But he's, he's already a very, very, very effective four-checker. He applies pressure at a breakneck pace. He's always re- routing to a secondary assignment afterwards that is really intelligent and he's always he remains involved in play he never overextends on his four checks he's just so constantly aware of his positioning and how how he's able to apply pressure and what that pressure can actually do like he's not a player that is just blindly applying pressure trying to like whack a stick force a turnover and then like maybe something happens he tries to shepherd players into specific areas where you can kind of suffocate out the play later on. He's trying to create sustainable advantages for his team defensively in all three zones. So yeah. uh, Benson's been excellent, and uh, I, I I enjoy watching him play just as much now as I did last year, uh, which is quite impressive considering that he's made the jump from WHL competition to NHL competition that, in that time span. Yeah, and he's made it kind of seamlessly, which is so yeah. so interesting to me. And again, it's it's the fallback game with him. Is you know when he's not producing, you know he has eight points in twenty one games. He hasn't scored in every game. He hasn't been able to. He's not getting on the score sheet consistently, but he's his impact is consistent. You know exactly what you're getting from Benson every game. And some games he'll exceed those expectations, and that's when he gets points. But like the 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 foundation of his game is so solid that it's already kind of top nine value so like even if he if he wasn't scoring on in any of his of his games he would still have a great impact on a third line i think like it, yeah it's, it's just absurd what he's been able to do this season but i want to talk about devin Le- levi as well real quick um levi has been stellar since being uh called up from uh from rochester in the ahl i think he has like above five goals saved above expected or something like that uh with like a 940 save percentage in five games like he's been good let me just pull up the stats real quick um yeah 5.76 goal saves above expected in four starts he's gone 3-0-1 with a 941 save percentage according to evolving hockey yeah. Is is this the real Dev, Devin Levi or is this just a hot streak? I mean, he, I don't think he's going to be just quite that good uh, forever, but um, <laughs> I think that he is already a, a 
quality NHL starter borderline. Yeah. Like he's getting there pretty close. Like I watched last night's game against Vegas and uh, Devin Levi looked very good. There was a sequence uh, where Mark Stone got three shot attempts in uh, right by the crease where the first, the first was a one-timer where Devin Levi had to like fully extend, go full splits, got his toe on the puck. And then there were two rebounds from Stone after that, that he also managed to keep out. That was just a really, really impressive sequence uh, for a goaltender at any level, let alone against one of the smarter players in the NHL. So yeah, I, I think that Devin Levi is going to be, Buffalo starter of the future. Now, whether he's going to already be that as a slam dunk this season remains to be seen. I mean, goaltenders do not develop in a linear fashion at all. Uh, that said, he is among the smartest goaltending prospects that we've seen come around in the last five years. And uh, I think that if he can make it stick this season, he's uh, he's not going to budge from that starting slot in, in Buffalo for a long time. Yeah, absolutely. You can't, as he said, you can't keep the beast locked up for long. Uh, but yeah, he's been ridiculous. But where does that leave Uka Pekka Lukunen, um, who's another of their, their goaltender prospects, who has been playing decently-ish this year. I mean, not overwhelmingly good. And now Devin Levi's back, and he's just been like, oh yeah, th this this crease is mine now. Thank you. Um, so it's, it's, it's going to be fairly interesting to watch those two kind of, um, kind of battle it out in net, but I think Devin Levi comes out on top. He's just, he's one of my favorite goaltender prospects that I've ever watched. Um, heading back to his, uh, his time in Northeastern in the NCAA, just, I mean, he was, he, that team was not good in front of him. Like they, they had some decent pieces, but they weren't a cohesive yeah. like element. And he was just keeping them in game after game after game. Um, I really hope that's the type of NHL goaltender he he develops into because um, local boy from West Mount, Montreal. Um, be interesting to see him go about it. But yeah, that wraps things up for today's show. Thank you very much for tuning in. If you're watching on YouTube, make sure to like and subscribe. Leave us a comment letting us know what you want us to talk about next. And if you're listening on your favorite podcasting platform, make sure to make us your first listen of the day. For your second listen of the day, make sure to check out Locked On Sports Today. They're a 24-7 news channel about sports to keep you updated on what's going on around the sporting world, whether that's football, baseball, hockey, whatever it is. And make sure to tune in for our next episodes this week as we continue our World Juniors coverage and our coverage of prospects overall. This has been Hattie Kalakesh with Sebastian High, and we hope you tune in next time.